This week we are in chapter 23. Now chapter 23 is the first of two chapters which contain Job's uh, next response to his, uh, his friends. Um, but tonight we're just going to look at chapter 23. And uh, I've entitled this, um, this sermon, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, which uh, you will, I'm sure, all know to be the title of a, of a very famous hymn. And actually, to give you even more disclosure, we will finish with that hymn uh, this evening. Uh, but the reason that I've chosen that as a title will make itself obvious, I hope, during the reading of Scripture. A couple of weeks ago, uh, when we were last in the book of Job, we listened in agony as Job's friend Eliphaz, uh, previously the least antagonistic of Job's friends, upped the ante in his uh, second speech. Uh, Job, by now, understandably perhaps, has become uh, tiresome to them in his constant protestations of innocence. Surely it would be wise for Job to come to his senses and acknowledge his guilt and begin the process of reconciliation with God. His stubbornness is only making his honest friend's task frustrating and thankless. Job's friends are not there to listen. They're not there to patiently try and understand Job's situation, to share in his anguish. Let him come up to their level of understanding. If Eliphaz put any hopes in his last speech that Job would do just that, he'll be disappointed with Job's response that we'll read this evening. As I say, we'll spread our reflection on Job's response over these next two weeks. We'll concentrate on chapter 23 tonight. Eliphaz is going to be disappointed because Job simply ignores his speech. In fact, he ignores all three of his friends' comments and redoubles his effort to assert his belief in a God who, whilst apparently absent and so far silent, a God who will deliver and vindicate Job in his misfortune. Job will not repent for something he hasn't done. We do know that he's been ready to make sacrifices when appropriate in his former life. So repentance in general is not a problem for Job. What he resists is the presumption of recent guilt. Guilt for misdeeds apparently now being judged by God. Job's faith is in God, not in what God can give him. So he relentlessly pursues a hearing with God, because only then can justice be served. Job is convinced that God hears the upright. Job's confidence is inspiring. I want us to be inspired by Job's hope and his confidence tonight. Job does not fall into presumptuousness, because he reverently fears the Lord, as all those of faith do. We know that the martyrs mentioned in Revelation had to exercise similar endurance as they faced great suffering and even execution. 
and the coming vindication of God will be realised only at the coming of Christ. Let's read from Job chapter 23. Remember, this contains the wisdom of God. God, the only wise God. Job chapter 23. Then Job replied, Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Would he oppose me with great power? No, he would not press charges against me. There an upright man could present his case before him and I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me, and many such plans he still has in store. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. May God bless this word. Actually, sorry, verse 17. Yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. May God bless his word to us. Tonight I've got three Ps for you. Firstly, a petition. Secondly, a lack of perception. And finally, a portion. A petition, a lack of perception... And finally, a portion. You can see Job's petition continues uh, almost in legal language here at the beginning of chapter 23. Though Job states that he is answering, he's not addressing the points made by Eliphaz directly. Instead, he goes on to reiterate his bitter complaint before God. Now that may sound unwise or dangerous even, as if perhaps we might end up provoking God with our bitterness. But is that really a good understanding of God? Surely God is infinitely better able to manage the circumstances and troubles that we face. In fact, the process of handing over our situations of expressing our limitations and fragility is a sign of our maturity and realisation of objective truth. 
we have come to know that God alone is sufficient for these things. And we are not. We see this not only with Job, but throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, Paul pours out the agony he endured at the hands of the Corinthians, who were like wayward children. Though they have caused him pain, he does not want to cause them pain in his writing. Yet he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears. Because he wants the church to know about the abundant love that he has for them. The job of pastoring the church, certainly the church at Corinth, was a painful one and involved much sacrifice on Paul's part. Job has not yet reached the point where he counts every suffering and trial as joy like Paul does. Paul mentions that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. His ability to count every suffering, every trial as joy. Paul has come to know the Lord's rescue time and time again. 2 Timothy 3, verse 11. And this process of trial and deliverance builds endurance. It's a powerful mechanism for growth and maturity in a person's faith. I wonder if you've seen that cycle occurring in your life. Surely, rather than pity Job, those who are yet to experience the refining of their faith, those like Job's friends, they're the ones who should be pitied. We see in the opening verses of chapter 23 that Job is absolutely confident in God. That Job has access to the very seat, the throne of God. Now this is only possible if we've been saved by grace through the gift of faith. Job is confident that God would answer him and he would be able to comp comprehend God's reply we too are able to hear and understand God's precepts, his words to us. And rather than dispute Job's protest, God would hear him, and even more so in the fullness of the hearing uh, the whole of Job's case, God would acquit Job. God would deliver him to safety. How does Job know this? Because as well as being Job's judge, as he say, says in verse 7. God is also Job's redeemer. Remember back to chapter 19 and verse 25. Job's bold statement that I know my redeemer lives and he will yet stand upon this earth. As the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we endure. You see, sufferings bring endurance. It is part of God's plan for us to bring us to maturity. When we look at the human life, we must surely acknowledge that suffering is inevitable. 
no matter how blessed, no matter how well provided for we are in life. Eventually we will age, we will lose loved ones, economic circumstances will change, and we will be called to endure. Dear friends, it is through suffering, and this is something quite remarkable about the church, it is through suffering together that we grow in patience and endurance. You hear Paul talking to the church in Corinth, saying about his suffering and their suffering. We do so together in relationship. It's a primary means of God growing our character, and we are privileged to observe Job as he grows through his immense sufferings. If only he had better friends, his suffering would be minimised. Rightly does the Apostle James tell us that Job is in Scripture as an example of steadfastness. Complaining to God, making our petitions, is not a problem. Perhaps then a lack of perception is a problem for you. True faith even endures a lack of perception. Even when we can't see or hear God, we trust that he is at work, working for our good. However, atheists often claim that if God would only write them a personal message in the sky, they would believe in him. But as we know from Paul and our own observation of creation, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God, or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And in the process, we felt, human beings felt, exchanging the truth about God and about ourselves, preferring to believe lies. We have come to nurture lies about who we are and about who God is. And this is the sin of, of Job's friends, that God is a simple cosmic vending machine, dispensing justice to all, blessing the upright and sending judgment on the wicked. If we encounter misfortune, we must simply have upset God and we need to atone for it. Job, on the other hand, even though he suffers, he trusts in God. Job is not happy to believe and pursue lies, but instead he holds all truth together, believing that in God all these things are reconciled. In verse 8, Job observes that though he goes back and forward, he does not see God. He does not perceive him. An atheist, someone lacking faith, would stop there and consider that lack of perception as a license to ignore God and indulge the sinful nature. 
to entertain pragmatism and get on with things and let God make the effort since it takes far too long to ponder the mysteries and complexities of this life. But what does the person of faith do? What does Job do? In verse 9, whilst Job says he does not behold God, he knows that God is working. Job knows that God sees him and knows where he is going and what he is doing. And more importantly, Job has absolute confidence that God is not only at work, but at work in his life. That through the trials of life, God is refining Job like gold, as he says in verse 10. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I wonder if that's the kind of faith that you have. When under trial, even under the immense stress and pressure that someone like Job is enduring, having lost everything, his children, his property, most of his employees, his livelihood and his health, his life as it was is in tatters. Humanly speaking, it's understandable, isn't it, that Job's friends pity him. The turnaround in his fortunes is startling. How could, how could such a thing occur to a man unless he's committed unspeakable crimes? Our world hasn't changed. Most people today believe in karma. What goes around comes around. It still is not convenient to ask the question, why do innocents suffer? And why do the wicked seem to prosper so much of the time? Only those of genuine faith gifted from God above have the strength and perseverance to continue in that faith, despite the world's overwhelming current of pressure. We alone, those of faith, can resist the pressure to conform to the pattern and understanding the wisdom of the world. It's no surprise that Mr. Worldly Wise Man from Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is one of the more formidable opponents on Christian's journey. What about us? In times of hardship, how did you react? Perhaps you're just thankful the Lord has not called you to suffer as Job did. Perhaps you're fearful that God might test you yet. In our call to worship this evening, we heard of the glorious and unassailable hope of the believer. A hope which by faith enables us to stand despite being grieved by various trials in order that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perished though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That was in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. How does this differ from the trials and testing that our friend Job is enduring? And how do we think that we will elude similar circumstances? Why should the Lord not glorify himself through us in similar circumstances to Job? 
And is it not of infinitely greater benefit to us to endure, equipped with an inexpressible joy and love for him that expresses itself in the kind of confidence that Job demonstrates? So where do you stand tonight? What's your portion? Job is one whose faith in God is demonstrated in his refusal to deviate from his confident hope in God and his eventual deliverance. This same undimmed confidence characterises the lives of all true believers. In the midst of trials, we endure in our trust of the Lord's coming vindication. When faced with distractions and others urging us in different directions, we will remain on course, listening for the small, still small voice of the Lord. When we look to the Gospel of Luke, we find the example of Mary, the sister of Martha, good friends of the Lord in his ministry. Martha knew there was much work to be done. Perhaps like Job's friends, she didn't like hanging around and when Mary was found sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha didn't appreciate the lack of assistance she was offering. We could say that she bristled at Mary's lack of conformity to the hard-working example Martha was setting. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me, Martha said. Luke 10, verse 40. The Lord responded, Martha... You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. We see a similar urgency among Job's friends that he should come round to their way of thinking. That their retribution theology is much simpler and more straightforward. Just get right with God and carry on with your life, they say. Why trouble yourself? Job insists that his priority is his God, like Mary. Mary, who of course had the benefit of Jesus the Christ physically in front of her. Job, nonetheless, loves the Lord. So much so that he holds fast to God's steps, he says in this chapter. He is kept to the Lord's way, like Mary, Job hangs on every word that comes from the lips of the Lord. Verse 12. Job treasures the words of his mouth more than my portion of food, he says. Can you see the same in Mary? Like Mary, Job has chosen the good portion. He has chosen to cleave to his God, to put all his trust in him, because he has become his only hope. He will be his deliverer. Job knows the testimony of the faithful, that God is unchangeable, verse 13. Though these are the toughest of times and darkness has descended on Job, he will not ultimately despair because God will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. Now that would sound perhaps onerous if you didn't have the faith that Job has been gifted. 
as our brother the Apostle Paul would write in his letter to the church at Philippi. In verse 6 of chapter 1, I am sure of this, who began a good work in you, a work of purification through the refining as gold. He who began that good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, God is at work. Often he works most keenly, most decisively, most abundantly in our times of crisis, in our times of difficulty. If you, together with me, share this conviction, this living hope, then let us resolve together to patiently bear with one another, sharing one another's burdens until we cross the finish line and receive the commendation, the vindication of our only wise God. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?